Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. Yeah, I'm Max Rushton. And this is the H&J Daily. We were joined by Taskmaster's very own Alex Horn. He has a Christmas single out with uh, his band, and it's very good, isn't it? We played that. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, you know, a big Alex Horn yeah. fan. But I, you know, I didn't. I hope I didn't appear no, starstruck. No I'm a big Paul Hawksby fan, no, but I didn't appear starstruck. Yeah, brilliantly. Yeah. <laughs> um, Luke Sutton is a former Derbyshire skipper. Um, who's turned agent. He's written a book about being a sports agent. It's very interesting. So he talked us through that, didn't he? Yeah, and uh, we took Croy Forbini to arguably the next level, maybe yeah. a sideways step, but, yeah. but we enjoyed it. We were still talking about it in the ad breaks, which is presumably either a good sign of a good radio feature or a sign of how boring we are yeah. as people. It's Absolutely. We also uh, looked at some interesting memorabilia, and we, what else did we do? We just had a chat. We, we looked back on the football last night, so here it all is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Max. Yeah, good afternoon, Paul. You've just given me a sort of uh, a, a sweet uh, to make for clarity of voice. It's called, they're called nippets. Nippets. They right. are they're very old traditional uh, mm-hmm. sweets established in, well, 1921, the company that, that, that uh, make them. So there's two, two issues I have. Oh, One yeah, yeah, is yeah. I'm just about to get a coffee, so I'm worried about the licorice, the licorice coffee, coffee flavour. Two, yeah. it's made me very conscious about how clear my voice is. Your voice is, is very clear. It feels clear today. Does it feel clear after the, the single well, nippet oh, you just know. had? I don't know. The clearest you've ever heard me, and is that a good or a bad thing? <laughs> Eight and eighty-nine. I don't I'm know. For a, a bit of yeah, interference, exactly. Um, yeah, we would like to hear from you today. If you got yourself to a game last night, what was the experience like? The good and bad of it, the whole process. How different was it? Uh, we're very happy for you. Give us a call. Oh eight seven one seven double two double three double four. Did it live up to the expectations? Did you think to yourself, Do you know what? I don't think I'm going to bother again till we're all back. So give us a call. Oh eight seven one seven double two double three double four. If you can't call, you just like to email or text talksport.com forward slash agent J. You can text to eight ten eighty nine. Or tweet to TSHNJ. We just like to dot your experiences around the show. This afternoon, we will have a chat with uh, uh, Ian Mather, the uh, chief, not, yes, the chief executive. The chief executive at Cambridge, yeah. yeah I'll just, mainly be talking about the referee in the Mansfield game, who was probably <laughs> fine. But the trouble is, yeah. and I don't know if you find this, I just can't be balanced, especially if I'm watching on silent on the laptop. Mm. So I'm really, not really sure what's happening. Whenever a Cambridge player went, what, what are you doing, ref? I got furious. <laughs> and the Mansfield centre-backs were like two giant red... One one of them was about 20 foot tall. Wow. It was extraordinary. Um, I did get a little bit 
it, it was slightly sort of moving in, in a, you know, not in a very serious way, but when the players came out of the tunnel and yeah. there was a rousing applause, that was a really nice thing yeah. to I think, hear. I think a lot of the managers, Gareth Ainsworth and Graham Jones, all said they, they had a bit of a lump in their throat. I think, it, it, you know, fans are so much a part of the game, even in limited numbers. numbers yeah. I think they all felt that. And for those guys, they'd not had a chance to say thank you to the fans you know Jones has been received back well by the Luton fans he wanted to say thank you for that he'd not had a chance to see if they'd forgiven him or not for exactly, going to yeah. <laughs> and Painsworth obviously got promotion and he he, he said he, he was quite choked I know you spoke to him at the weekend because he's got a he's got a, a song out with Petter Cech obviously yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it's, it's, quite a, it's quite a night they're both guesting on a on a Christmas song yeah, it's quite excellent. a it's quite a it's a toe tapper I mean yeah, the Cambridge players obviously they thanked the fans by going down to a 1-0 defeat yeah. to Mansfield well I know it's a slight tension in the air today because our producer, uh, along with your Saturday co-host Charlie Baker, do, a, do a, an excellent talkie, not talkie podcast mm. called The National Obsession. And Jamie Reid, they interviewed when he was at Torquay. He's a good player. And, um, and they're, they're big fans. And then, of course, he scored, scored against you last winner. night. So I thought... Oh, be, I mean, I forgive him. That was what he was, there to, he was there to do. If he <laughs> said, I'm not going to put this chance away because it'll upset Max for five minutes it tomorrow. Would be wrong, Maybe that's. It? I don't know if I've got that much power. I did like the fact that mm. Carlisle Salford, the crowd were booing the ref after one minute. That's like... <laughs> We're back, and we're back. That's good. <laughs> Isn't you know, that tremendous? No quarter. Um, um, we're going to talk about Manchester United and Chelsea a little bit uh, later on, and the refereeing wasn't particularly stunning in the uh, United PSG game. As I'm somebody sure said, I said, I sent that tweet out going, we were at a game last night, how was it? And Mark Ridley said, have you contacted Fred? <laughs> <laughs> Very good point. Now, uh, we would like to hear from you on something. A, a news story is a bit of a springboard to get you involved today. And um, this is Tyson Fury, isn't Tyson it? Deciding Fury. that there's an award he doesn't want, which is Sports Personality of the Year. He said, I don't need... I don't need that really to do you, uh, justify how do you feel my about existence? sports personality. I've ranted about this before, mm. but I just don't understand why everyone gets so in engaged and exercised by it. I mean, I just don't believe Andy Murray won Wimbledon so he could become no, sports personality. It, of the it year. used to be a huge sort of fixture in mm. the old calendar before, probably before your time in the Adam Faith years. Oh right, okay. but it was it, it was it, you know it dominated then, and the BBC had lots and lots of live sport, and it was a real brilliant review of the year but i mean it has changed over the years of course oh, yeah. it as as some of their rights have dwindled and you know sports that they don't have get mentioned for about 30 seconds and then they move on Look, i mean I, I, they do they they make a great montage the bbc and you know yeah. if if things were very slightly different i might be working i'd probably be i don't know backstage interviewing the le least important people on that show and then i'd absolutely love it yeah but as it goes i'm like just watch the montages. Otherwise, it's just a lot of applause. You don't need to see it. And I don't. Mm. I just don't understand why people are so, so angry about who's nominated or who isn't. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Does it? Okay. That's no, just well, my. That's I, I don't want to be too <laughs> daring here. I yeah. know this isn't a controversial show, but yes. Yeah, so the question is, because mm. Tyson Fury doesn't want to win it, is, is uh, what did uh, what did you win that you didn't want to win? Um, uh, this is from Nick, who says, uh, "I want a backstroke." backstroke race at my local bath. So I enjoyed yeah. swimming for leisure, but I didn't really enjoy it competitively. I thought you were going to say, I was doing the front crawl. <laughs> so that's not the one I wanted at the time. Yeah, exactly. That's my, how bad my backstroke was. My dad assumed mm. I'd enjoyed it because I'd won and entered <clears> me for the following <throat> month's event. Wow. I said I'd do it, but but then no more. And then I won that event as well. But in hindsight, I wish I hadn't because I then got selected to swim for my town, Southport, against others from all over the country at a big gala in Wigan. The whole thing just got totally out of hand. <laughs> 
We stopped doing the backstroke then. I mean, it was pretty simple, wasn't it? Stop turning up at the swimming bars at five o'clock in the morning to train. Oh, I'm a big fan of uh, reluctant swimming champions. Yeah. Maybe they all are. are you Adrian Morehouse hated every yeah, second of Mark it. Spitz couldn't stand it. <laughs> Threw every medal in the bin. Um, so, one that uh, is a bit of an old staple of this show, but it's true. Mick from Hounslow, uh, regular listener and contributor over the years to this show. Mick was a is, is a Tottenham fan, the Tottenham regular, mm-hmm. and um, he won a competition on air. And, and we said, "Congratulations, Mick! Your prize is a Sega Mega Drive." It was back in the day, <laughs> oh, great. and he went, "Oh," said he said, "Look." With respect, uh, give it to someone else. He said because uh, because they were the Arsenal sponsors at the right, time. Okay. And we're thinking, what about the kids, Mick? They're going to love this. You've got games and you've got the mega. He said, no, I can't have can't have that in the house. <laughs> so they wouldn't have the Sega Mega Drive in the house because of their their Arsenal connections did you, at the time. Did, did you ask? You know, has anyone else purposefully not gone with the? Rival sponsors, you know, did oh, Arsenal yeah. fans had, not drink oh, Holston yeah. pills for years? Oh yeah, we've had some. One yeah. of the, the best we've ever had. And apologies if you're a long-term listener, you know this. This was a bloke with his wife and kids yeah. uh, <laughs> up by Spaghetti Junction, and their windscreen went. So he was a Villa fan. No, stop it. Windscreen comes in. It's raining. The rain's. The kids are getting wet. The missus is getting wet. And in there, he calls. I did it through the insurance company, and he said, um, "My windscreen's gone. I'm stuck. Can you?" And he said, "Yeah, we'll get someone straight out." <laughs> Also, windscreens van pulls up. <laughs> Blue sponsors at the time, you see. And uh, he says, uh, no, mate, sorry. <laughs> he says, what? He says, and his wife's looking at him and said, really? He said, I, he's not touching my car. Sorry, mate. Can, in fact, he said, well, he said, do they use any other windscreen companies? He says, well, I guess you have to ring the insurance. They sat there for another hour and a half. Well, imagine that call the insurance company saying, yeah, auto windscreens you sent. I'm not having them near my car. It's great, I mean, it'd be even better if they just had to drive. Carry on. We're going home. We're not having <laughs> yeah. this. No. No windscreen. That is... Wow, I don't so that's, we, that's that, the that can't be better. No, that's the it, lens you know? people go. There are a couple of old uh, corkers. That from is, you know, not, it's not an Everton fan saying, I wouldn't have my house painted in crown paint. No. It? That's not as good. No, I think yeah, okay. there you are, stranded with the family getting wet. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. <laughs> Hawksby and Matt Rushton here on TalkSport. Joining us in the studio now to chat about his new book, The Life of a Sports Agent, uh, is the former Derbyshire skipper, Luke Sutton. Good afternoon, Luke. Good to see you. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. So you said this was a lockdown project, was it? A man you sort of, uh, at a loose end, decided to, to get stuck into a new book. It, yeah, it was actually that, that book, the idea of it was um, put to me before I wrote my first book. Right. Um, and so, uh, and I had started thinking about it uh, and then when lockdown came in kind of middle of March and I was scratching my head that, uh, what to do, the publishers gave me a nudge and, and I sat down and wrote it. Mm, it's interesting, isn't it? I, I'm trying to think of, you know, when you, the reputation of certain, you know, jobs, you know, where they rank. So most people think agent and think, you know, Terrible. slippery, money-grabbing, in it for themselves, taking money out of the game. Um, but I know you reasonably well and you don't seem like those kind of things do you think there is a kind of misunderstanding of or oh, there's there's more than one kind of agent right yeah i think i think it's a kind of well-trodden narrative actually i, I just passed simon jordan in the corridor i mentioned in the book who, yeah. he's not ever said anything nice about agents <laughs> along the way and i mentioned him in the book actually um no i think i think there have been good and bad eggs in the industry but i think there are in every industry to be perfectly honest i think there's a lot of really good agents i just think there's a lot of mystery around the job so people don't really know what they do and then they hear the narrative that's thrown around in the press, which I think is sometimes used 
to not blame other people. You know, mm. clubs don't want to blame players. Players don't want to fall out with sponsors. So often the the agent is a person who's blamed. But I, I think I, there, there are some really good agents. And I think actually what I've tried to do in the book is sort of demystify the job and, yeah. and show what's really involved. Did you have an agent as a player, Luke? And what was your perception of agents as a player? It's a very good question. I didn't have an agent for 17 <laughs> years. And actually, I kind of, at that time, I didn't have a great deal of regard for the industry. I I, um, you know, I was fortunate. Jimmy Anderson was my first client. who was a teammate. We were mates. And we kind of, that that's how I moved into it. Mm. But up to that point, I didn't really have any, uh, you know, any thoughts of doing so. I think, in, and in that time, now the agency world, in all sports, I, even if I just pick out cricket, has you know, grown massively. Yeah. Oh, the interesting thing, Jimmy's an interesting man. I'm just saying to you off air that fundamentally you've got quite a shy guy there who has become brilliant in the media, really, really good at that kind of things, and you've watched him flower. And is that kind of part of your role to bring... Because that's the guy you knew in the dressing room, that's the guy you know as a friend, to, to let the kind of public see that and to bring him out of himself a little bit. Absolutely. I mean, in, in Jimmy's case, a, a, a genius cricketer, but also really creative, opinionated, funny. He just, I think, but shy as well. Mm. And I think he, he's just over the years had to find the right platforms for him to be able to show that. He's different to Graham Swan. Yeah. So, you know, there's some ways Graham Swan could work really well. And in other ways, Jimmy had to find his niche. And that's definitely was part of my role, for, for sure. Um, and allow your client, whatever their characteristics or strengths to, to develop and they get the most out of themselves. Do you have to do everything? You know, there's this idea that agents do everything for their clients, so, you know, to the point of doing their Ricardo shopping. You know, like, do, you draw, do you draw a line and say, because obviously it's really yeah. important, what, what I think is really interesting about professional sports people, the ones who are, who everything is done for them, they really struggle when their career's over because they suddenly have to do things themselves and a sort of important part, I guess, of doing your job well would be to know when to say no to your client. Absolutely, you've got to, you've got to create some boundaries. I mean, it's different with different clients. Some are, are much more self sufficient than others. Um, I did. I, I won't mention his name. I, I did manage an England cricketer who who I used to early on when I managed him. I used to call him relentlessly, uh, and he wouldn't he wouldn't call me back. And I'd leave messages saying like you know. And eventually, I got hold of him, and he just. I said, why didn't you call me back? And he just said, well, I just knew that you would keep calling me. <laughs> Eventually, I'd answer when I was ready. And I was, at the time, I was like a penny dropped. And I, yeah. you know, that's, you know, a professional sports person, especially someone who's been in it from a very young age, they don't have much real world experience. So if you're managing them, you, you've got to help educate them. And that does create some boundaries. That's, you know... If they call you at eight o'clock on a Sunday morning and ask, you know, something to happen in the bank, you have to explain that the banks are shut, and you know, but you can't expect everything. And then mm. part of our our role is to to educate. The, the chapters in, in some cases follow some of your your major clients and the, and the different sort of things that you need to do for them at different times of their career. The interesting one is is Sam Quick, mm. Olympic gold medalist in the hockey. Now you kind of managed her career because obviously was, she was really in demand after that. She was kind of she, I mean. All all the girls did brilliantly well, but she was one of those sort of breakout names from that team. Started to do other stuff. Is a football fan. We've had her on the show a few times. We've seen her at Cheltenham, where she's been involved in corporate things for people in racing. And it's interesting how she, she you took her out of a niche sport. And but again, I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of saying no there. You say in the book she was asked to do a lot of modelling things that maybe you and her thought wasn't the direction she wanted to go in. No, I mean Sam's a. a, a a pleasure to work with but I think that the hard thing for, for happens for a lot of Olympians is 
when they have their Olympic Games, you know, look at us as fans and we see that person win a medal in kayaking and suddenly it's the greatest sport that we've ever watched <laughs> yeah. and we're really into it for that period of time. But then two months after the Olympics, we've forgotten. And so for the Olympians, even in that, that hockey final, which they won and was amazing and the 10 o'clock news was delayed, when I started managing Sam, I had to get her to see that I know it won't feel great, but in three months, everyone will be watching Premier League football again. They mm. won't care about hockey. So if you want to break out into you know a broader commercial way, broader broadcasting, you have to move out of hockey. You have to get yourself into other sports, and which she's you know she's capable of. She yeah. just needed the opportunity. And I'm a celebrity as well. She did, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. and that, that, that helped helped massively. Yeah, yeah. sure. It does. Um, you represent James Taylor, and obviously mm. that's you know that's such a human story, isn't it? The sort of that moment that yeah. uh, you, you say in the book, you know, you sort of get a call going, you know, I need to talk to you, and that's a that's such a responsibility to have to yeah. be there then. It, yeah, and of all the things I've done in management, that that's the one which I I kind of look on look back on probably the most proud, but was the biggest moment because you know here was a twenty six year old England cricketer playing all formats, and in 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 an instant he not just was not a cricketer anymore he he couldn't do any exercise anymore he was lucky lucky to be alive and the pressure on him and his family and how that 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 was was there was no rule book there was no kind of okay, this is what we do now. It was really really difficult and i and i you know i James is an England selector now, and we kind mm. of I see him on the balcony at games you know with Ash, Ashley Giles and Ed Smith and it looks like it was all so easy, but, you know, that period of time was just incredibly difficult for him. And, um, yeah, I, I'm really proud of that. Do you have to be honest at times with people? There might be, you know, there is that thing of somebody maybe finishes a sports career or whatever and they want to do this, they think, I'd be great in the media. Do you have to say to them, do you know what, I don't think you will be. I don't think that's for you. Do you have to, do you have to tell people sometimes they're maybe not as good at something as they think they are? I think you have to learn how to yeah. deliver that message in the in the right way, and and that takes a bit of experience. Mm. I think early on, I've always tried to to say to clients, "Look, I'm going to tell you the truth. That I'll I'll be the person in your life that tells you the truth with love, mm. but I will tell it to you with truth. Uh, well, I will tell you the truth, and it, and if you want to hear it, or you don't want to hear it. You know, I'm coming from a good place, and I think that's the important thing because. You know, someone rises through the ranks of a sport and money increases. You know, everyone goes a bit bonkers, don't they? You know, if families get affected, mm. uh, you know, friends, expectations. And you kind of need someone in the middle just to always kind of ground them and go, you know, this is this is where it's at. And have you lost clients because of that? Yes. Because, and, and do you care? I mean, there's, mm. it, I suppose it's difficult. If you've got someone that is earning you lots and lots of money, it's in your interests to keep them, but... You have to be honest at the same time. Yeah, I, I think I made, I made up mistakes early in my management career of kind of thinking about the money. I think now I'm in a place where I kind of think the money will take care of itself if I'm, if I'm doing a decent job. And yeah, I have lost clients by, you know, telling them the truth and then, and then not wanting to hear it. But I, I don't regret it because I think... Uh, our, our relationship was probably heading for a bit of a car crash anyway. So it's liberating if you don't have to keep bringing someone who doesn't want to pick up the phone. <laughs> <right>? Exactly. <laughs> uh, you, you also, I mean, you write about your clients. I mean, you, you mm. tell their stories in the book. Well, I take yeah. it they're all on side with this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Niall Wilson is one of them, the, mm. the, the gymnast. And you say he became a bit of a, beyond gymnastics, a bit of a social media star, a bit of an influence. Mm. It was heading that way. But then had some issues in his life. Mm. So it's, as I said, there's a... 
sometimes it's arm round the shoulder from your point of view as much as kind of guiding them through their career. Isn't it? And, yeah. and your first book is about many of the demons you had to deal yeah. with uh, during and post-cricket. So I, I suppose they can turn to you and you can talk from experience. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I don't. I really don't want any of my clients to go through what I did. No. But, but I, yeah, for sure. And and um, you know, in Niall's case, he's an he's extraordinary. He's a he's an Olympic gymnast, but he's 1.5 million subscribers on YouTube, mm. and he's got this whole world going on. And when you you see the influence of social media on young athletes, for Niall, that sort of level of following has had a huge impact on him. And, and understanding what what's real and you know what's not real, and when you have to be on show, when you're not on show it, it all becomes a bit muddled and mm. I you know he's he's exceptional now but he, he's been a real lesson for me as much as I have for him I think interesting stuff so um, it's it's available now um, penandsword.co.uk I think we can buy it in all good bookshops and Amazon and, and everywhere else yeah, and it finally is the, is the hope that I mean it, it does kind of read a bit like you know these are some of the lessons if someone's looking to become an agent I think they could possibly take something from this because they're almost like they're case studies to an extent aren't they in some yeah ways. yeah and, and it's a bit you know and also I think it is a bit of a defence for the industry as yeah. well I guess I'm trying to you know tackle the the bad narrative that you talk about and and kind of but you know I, I think that's been a convenient thing that particularly in football that's been used at time blame the agents blame the agents and, mm. and I, I've got an insight into that world and and it, I guess the book is also to just shed light on that sort of thing and you still come across people who are reluctant to have an agent they don't feel that they need an agent have you approached people and they said to be honest, it's not just you. I don't want anybody to represent me. I don't need it. Or was that that era gone now? No, I think no. Look, when I first started, there was four cricket agents looking after the whole England cricket team. Yeah. There's now over fifty. Wow. Um, <laughs> and the game, and and uh, you know, people kind of talk about the influence of agents in the game. It's like we're the 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 lawmakers of the game, which I find odd. You know, it's like they're pushing wages up. It's, I don't, you know, I don't think agents are pushing wages up. I think that's what people are offering to pay people. Yeah. Um, but sport has just become, you know cricket as an example so global now with these competitions going on around the world that the the need for agents to help players um has, has increased yeah. that we're just meeting demand but i would always say to everybody and i when i'm you know I'm, i've been meeting clients potential clients this week and and i would say to them look this is a big decision mm. you know be cynical ask the questions you know yeah. eyes wide open ask all the awkward questions and i think and if at the end of it you go, I don't want an agent, I think that's that's absolutely fine. Can I have David Milan? Has he gone? Or is there, can well, I take, he's you gone. can claim him. Yeah, oh, it's yeah, a shame. Yeah, you should have got in earlier. I should have done. Really, really, really just before before it I only really one. thought about it in the last five minutes. Chris Gale, has he gone? Anyway, The Life of a Sports Agent by Luke Sutton is available now. Good to see you, Luke. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Gareth Batty's up next. If he's got an agent. Well, I'll give him a try. Why not? Write that down. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. From Talk Sport. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. We've been playing over the last couple of weeks, when Max has been with us uh, on and off, we've been playing Cruyff or Binny, uh, which all kicked off when we pitted Johan Cruyff, the late great legend of football, against Fred Binny, the uh, former Brighton player. And it was a quiz where we we looked at two of the old uh, shoot-in-focus features and asked questions. The sort of questions are always asked in that feature. And uh, you had to say, did that answer come from Johan Cruyff? Or Fred Binney. And since then, we've tried to develop it. We've tried to take it on. We've had Dalgleish versus Dalgleish, two different versions, seven years apart, the great uh, Kenny Dalgleish. Yesterday, we... uh, What did we have yesterday? We had Brazil or McCoy. Brazil or McCoy. We kept it very talk sport. Uh, You gave us George Michael versus... Steve Nichol. Steve Nichol. It's taken the world by storm. And and there's a huge pressure on either one of us. We don't want to be the one who kills the format, do we? There's huge pressure on both of us. I think we did that on day one. Well, that's arguable. But you know, I, I, you know, people are yet to stop me in the street to discuss it. But I think it's only a matter of time. Right. So we wondered, could we take it on yeah. from uh, uh, Brazil or Macoist? Now, some cynics may argue I have moved it very sideways, okay. but I would say I've taken it on by literally ten hours as I invite you to play a game of Durham or Goff. Wow! Uh, if you're have interested, they done questionnaires then? Well, they have now. Uh, oh. So, uh, so I'm. Uh, so I you did. Excited, you did questionnaires with both of them. I've done questionnaires with both Adrian Durham and Darren Goff. Well, and I've got to guess who gave You've those got to answers. Guess who gave, and I think you know you're a very I good like player. This. I your, like this. Your world number one ranking. Yeah. Definitely, you're better than me at this game. <laughs> Happy to admit it. Um, and I think, you know, they're different people. Oh, they? yeah. You know, they're very different people. They work very well on air together. But they're different people. So I'm expecting a full house from you, okay. Paul. But uh, but you never know. Okay. Um, so, right. Shall we, shall we crack I'm on? I'm excited for this. And uh, no easy one to start. And the listeners, I'm sure they will listen to Drive After Us. So they'll, they'll be tuned in to the, the, the men. Yeah. See how you get on. They'll want to know a little bit more yeah. about each of them, right. don't they? Because they both stuff. keep their cards pretty close to their chest during their excellent drive time programme for till seven on talk sport <laughs> so paul yeah whose first car was a vw polo was that uh, adrian durham uh, host of around the grounds and host of drive yeah peterborough united fan or was that darren goff one of england's england's finest bowlers okay. a volkswagen polo who's in a polo it's a good one i mean it's a it, really it, tough it, one is everything screams adrian to me that it, i don't he got a car, an old polo maybe with sort of a wing hanging off his first car i don't know i think goffy in something maybe a bit more gti even his, his first car even though he probably couldn't afford the insurance at that stage but i'll tell you what i'll go counterintuitively i'll say goffy's on in the polo you're absolutely right, right. Darren was adrian? adrian's in a ford Fiesta. 
Fiesta, a very oh. battered old one. So we, a wheel fell off as I was driving to a game at Norwich. What did I so tell you? There you are. Okay, one out of one. Question mm. two. Whose first job was a Saturday job at 14 years old at Foster's Bakery? Was that Adrian Durham or Darren Goff? Who do you picture with a little white hat on <laughs> getting the sausage rolls out of the oven? Yeah. They're called Tottenham cakes, but they're not from Tottenham. I'd just like to... Or well, maybe they are. Um, so I, I can see I can see Adrian carrying off that white trilby and, and that sort of long white coat. Right. So um, saying I'm saying Adrian. Adrian what, it's Darren Goff's really? first job. Darren Goff said 14, Saturday job at Foster's Bakery. Real job, YTS, Rotherham United. Not a real job, Goffy. Uh, <laughs> Adrian Durham's first job, packing frozen fish fingers. Wow. There we are. He would have, he would have worn a hair net at that stage, wouldn't he, mm. I would imagine? Yeah. From a health and safety Absolutely point of view. right. Uh, yeah. So they are. Did he uh, have, like, orange hands at the end from the breadcrumbs? I didn't, I didn't, know, I, know, I, I, I didn't it, ask any more questions. I bet he did. We'll find out later if he had permanently orange hands for about... Anyway, move on. Uh, which one of them, Adrian Durham or Darren Goff, is scared of snakes? Okay. Is that Darren Goff or Adrian Durham? I'd imagine uh, who's had more exposure to snakes you know, on the subcontinent, travelling Australia, travelling around the uh, world. Yes, Adrian is from Peterborough. Oh, yeah, mm. well, oh, yeah, they've had the old boa constrictor. That's true, they have. Yes, <laughs> yeah. One sort of there's a python on the A14. Yeah, mm. one appears, a cobra appears out of the drains. I'd go Goffy with yes, snakes. Yes, Goffy. Adrian's yeah. was uh, the world not getting back to normal. Okay, quite profound. Okay. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, if you weren't a uh, cricketer slash broadcaster, what would you be? Oh. Uh, which one of them would be a chef, without a doubt? <laughs> OK. Um, I, I would say... Neither of them are cooked for me. No. But I don't know that, that that without a doubt feels very Yorkshire to me as a phrase. <laughs> well, it's the sort of thing Geoffrey would say. So it's almost certainly the sort of thing Goffey would say. Yeah, well, it is without doubt. There's not even oh, an A oh, in okay. there. Oh, okay. That changes it. Goffey. It is Adrian Durham. Oh, okay. Goffey just wrote Armed Forces. Absolutely right. You can <laughs> Any see one it, of the it? services. Armed, for SAS. armed Forces. Right. Okay, that's good. Okay, so um, you got that one wrong, didn't you? Christian yeah, I did get that one wrong. Two out of four so far. Maybe they're more similar than we that, thought. I mean, it's just so hard, isn't it? Yeah. Whose favourite food is my wife's paella? Okay. Favourite food is my wife's paella. My wife's paella. Yeah. Uh, not your wife's not, No, it's not my wife's paella. No, <laughs> yeah. no, well, no. Maybe take a, bring a Red Cross parcel into it whenever you're here. Um, Constantly getting texts from the pair yeah. of them going, can you bring in your wife's paella, yeah. please? Come on, we're starving. Before we do a phone-in on Arsene Wenger. Um, I don't know. I mean, it could be either of them. This is a punt. I'd go Goffy. Ah, it's Adrian. Adrian, well, OK. Goffy's answer was El Nacho Grande Mexican. <laughs> there he is, a large nachos Oh, OK. Goffy. Large nachos, <clears throat> fully loaded, I take yeah, it. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Melted cheese on top. Um, who under miscellaneous dislikes wrote rudeness? Is that Adrian Durham or Darren Goff? Who dislikes rudeness? Um, I, that's a good question. That's a good question, um, isn't it? I mean, Adrian's got an incredibly thick skin. He'll take people on only like that. But maybe underneath it, oh, he just hates being rude to him. Yeah, I mean, he does He does kick off if somebody just open. Adrian. Adrian, no, that was Darren Goff. That's it, that's it. This is Adrian. not my game. Adrian. So I can tune into the world yeah. of old professional football. You don't know the people you want. Not my colleagues, no. that's um, true. Adrian's miscellaneous dislikes were Max Rushton asking me to create content for his shows. <laughs> Fair point. Fair point. Fair point, yeah. yeah. Favourite actor... Whose favourite actor is Jack Lemon, <laughs> especially in Some Like It Hot? Okay. Is that Adrian or Goffey? Well, it's a great film and they've got great taste. Um, uh, I'd say that 
is Adrian. That is correct. It is yeah. Adrian. Uh, I'll go guess if we can go. Was it, was it Sly Stallone in Rambo? Something armed, <laughs> something armed forces. It's Tom Cruise. Tom so Cruise. Far yeah, away, armed forces related. Whose career aspiration is to keep enjoying what I do? Okay. Is that Adrian or is that Goffy? Um, I, that, that sounds that sounds a bit goffy to me. I'm going to go goffy. Yeah, it one. is. Yeah. Uh, Adrian's is. Uh, I achieve my career aspiration every Saturday. What a company man he is! Fantastic. There. That's uh, good. Match too, day yeah. live with Adrian Durham. Yeah. Uh, whose who's nickname at school was Spit? <laughs> is it Durham or Goffy? Spit was called Spit at school. Wow. Um. Uh, I would say, I'd, I'd love to know why I'm going to go Goffy. It was Goffy. Yeah. Uh, we went on to be known as Rhino. Um, yeah. Uh, Adrian's was Duzzy. Duzzy Durham. D there we are. Duzzy Durham. Duzzy Durham. D-U-Z-Z-Y, okay. not does he. Okay. Duzzy yeah, yeah, Duzzy, yeah. Uh, finally, who's, finally, whose favourite colour is blue? <laughs> Great. It's the sort of question you asked of a sort of 16 year old girl <laughs> in a pop magazine favorite color is blue whose favorite color is blue well it's the color of the uh, the peterborough shirt isn't it so i'll go i'll go adrian it's goffy oh adrian's favorite color is orange is it really yeah it is one two three five out of ten there. there should be a blackpool fan then should yeah, it? Five, should that be. was tough that was that, the, was, that was your worst performance of the season you could yeah. blame fatigue yeah you know maybe it was a late kickoff Three o'clock. Sometimes we I mean, all I do is just earlier. go through sort of Twitter and look for a couple of old questionnaires. You actually did original material. That's original there. content. We should thank here Adrian and Goffy for doing Absolutely. that. Absolutely, very good of them. Very good of them. I mean, I messaged them at ten, schedule. and I think it's more difficult for them to say no, given they had to both see me in the handover. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. But, you know, let's see what happens next week. Yeah, okay. Well, we? there we are. See what I can come up with when you rejoin us next week. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. That is uh, Fiddly Christmas, uh, and that is by uh, the Horn Section. Alex I'm, a big, I'm a big fan. Yeah, they're very, mm. they're very good. They're very good live. If you get the chance, or go and check out their podcast. Of course, that's another option in the short term. Uh, but Fiddly Christmas is their Christmas single uh, for a good cause. Uh, Alex joins us once again. Now, good afternoon, Alex. Good morning, Paul. Hello, Max. Afternoon. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm all right. I mean, I don't like hearing my voice because I can't really sing. It's unfortunate. <laughs> You've never let that stop you, though, have you? I mean, that must be the great thing. You are, you know, you're not like, let's be honest, Alex, you're not the greatest singer in the world, but you've got a good band. So that, that more than makes up for it. Yeah, it's unlike most sport, isn't it, really? You can't just appear in a premiership football team, but you can appear in a really good band <laughs> yeah. if you've got the right surname <laughs> and clout. Why fiddly Christmas? Where did that come from? Um... Yeah, these are all questions I thought you might ask me, Paul. <laughs> um, I've prepared for this question. I like the word fiddly, and mm. I think, you know, this year, I don't know if you've noticed, it's been quite a fiddly year. Mm. Um, it's been, it's been, it, there's been a sticky situation going on. Yeah. So uh, the, <laughs> I think uh, the song, it's a, pretty, it's a pretty silly song, Paul yeah. and Max. It's just uh, life's quite fiddly, but we all pretend everything's all right for five days a year and have Christmas and 
drink too much. So that's that's what we're celebrating, the pretending that life isn't fiddly. And you're making a, a, you know, a comment that we're all allowed out for that five days, which obviously I presume you think is a brilliant idea uh, currently. Um, Did you prepare that question? Before, before the, yeah, before the rules. I don't really... Um, it's hard to put the regulations in song form. <laughs> so we've had a stab at it. I think, it's, I think it reflects the current um, social situation. It's a, it's a great cause, uh, Nora Robbins, isn't it? Yeah, so it's a music therapy charity. So we wanted to do something that's um, relevant to the, you know, to the band, really. Something, uh, you know, the power of music. And, I mean, ideally, we would just wanted to raise money for them because musicians need more help than anyone. And I'm like, well, as much help as anyone. But, yes, it's a Christmas single, so we wanted to raise money for a good cause. And it's just quite fun to be in that world of Christmas singles. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. I've Rick Astley's one came out today. I quite like that. Um, I don't know if it has to be for charity or not, but... It felt like the right thing to do. Yeah, I mean, we, we there was bells on that, and sleigh. We had the sleigh bells, and really, that's all you need to because that marks it out as Christmas, obviously, doesn't it? And you wonder if you could do that with anything. If you put like <laughs> any song, everybody on... hurts <laughs> by REM. You put sleigh bells on it. Whether you you could give it, I don't know. It, 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 I'm pretty it, sure you could. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, just hearing that, then it did sound like a Christmas. I don't think anyone listens to the words really. <laughs> so yeah, I think you're completely right. I don't want to dismiss it too much, but um. It's a bit of a laugh, isn't it? Well, yeah. I think you can sing a bit, Alex. I, I do. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't think you should put yourself effective. down. I mean, yeah. it's been, I think it works. Do it you works like? Do you like record it once and go, look, that's the best it's going to be, or do you like do it again and again and again? Well, for the past sort of nine months, we've recorded everything in isolation, really. So I record at home. We all pass around the track, and it gets sort of better and better. But I only ever have one go because the kids are asleep normally. <laughs> so I just get it done as quickly as possible. And it's the same with the actual writing of the lyrics. It takes about as long to write the lyrics as to sing them. Um, But that's not to say it's not a good thing. I think sometimes you just, you know, there's no point slaving over things too long. The the uh, for those that don't the, the horn section is uh, I mean it might be worth yeah. going right back to the beginning how it all came about because you've got an excellent array of musicians you've worked with over the years and uh, and it is brilliant live I mean it's great live because it's a lot of fun and a lot of the songs are fairly crazy but the the musicianship is very high and when they they go off on one it's it's very entertaining yeah. even from a musical point of view so how did the whole thing start Well it's our ten year anniversary this year so we were meant to be on a big sort of celebratory tour. We mm. thought we'd do the 11th, year, 11th anniversary instead next year. But <laughs> the, I think the idea came back because I was just a lowly stand-up. And I, I always found stand-up slightly frustrating because it's just one person and a microphone, whereas live music, I, I prefer going to watch live music, if I'm honest, because it's, it, it's always a good night out. Mm. So if you can combine the two, that was the idea, just combine live comedy with a, with a band. So we at the beginning, it was just having people like Jimmy Carr come on and the band would be on with them. They would play something and he would do his jokes sort of with a cool backing band. And that developed, we had people like Tim Minchin and Reggie Watts came and made, sort of made the most of the musicality. Uh, and then we got more and more confident that actually we were fine by ourselves. And I always try to encourage the band members to have trumpet solos and drum solos and they're always a bit embarrassed. But I love those bits. Mm. Because, um, you, you get to know their characters more in the show because I make them speak even though they don't want to often. <laughs> and then you hear them play, and it's, you know, I, I'm just blown away. They're like magicians to me. Mm. When, when they can really just do something for nothing, it's amazing. And they're funny as well. Like in the podcast, which is a brilliant podcast, 
all the band of every time it's okay you, you, every time you you well, you've you know, been on it haven't you Max? i was on it i was on it the one before robbie williams i would point the people towards yeah. the robbie williams one first <laughs> i would suggest when i saw that drop i was like wow that's quite a jump, <laughs> a jump <laughs> someone you. you were thinking someone must have pulled out last <laughs> I week think, i don't think so but they're they're really funny people alex aren't they yeah don't say that oh. my, the whole thing is that i'm not musical but i am funny and they're the other way around so as soon as they've got more than well i've got one arrow in my quiver they've got one that's the deal <laughs> but what's nice about the pod i think because i think lot you know there are lots of podcasts i you know yeah i do one lots sure. of people do them but there are lots of podcasts that are very important and serious and meaningful and it's a good place to explore mm. those kind of conversations so it's great that one exists that is just incredibly silly mm. <laughs> yeah yeah i've never asked anyone any proper questions in that. i think i asked robbie williams if he likes toast, and he said he hadn't made any toast since he wrote Angels. He's got a man who does that. <laughs> that's, about, that's about as close as we got to yeah. a serious question. But I think you're right. There are so many. I mean, ours is so labour intensive. There's six of us every time trying to record. There's about three or four songs in each one. So it is just for the love of it, because there's too many of us to make it financially viable. But we really enjoy doing it, and it's 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 an outlet. You know, it's, it's a way of just being creative and. Meeting up as well. Yeah. Now you've you've got a taskmaster going out over over the festive period. I understand. Yes. Yes. We decided to. Uh, well, we got offered the chance to do a one-off festive special, and we thought for once we'll try it without comedians, because we didn't want to say to a comedian, "Do you want to come on for just this one episode?" Because that seems unfair. They wouldn't be on the the main series. Mm. So we've just gone away from comedy. And we've got people. We've got Shirley Ballas and John Hammer. And uh, Christian Guru Mercy. So a really odd collection of people. We've got Nicola, Nicola Cufflin from Derry Girls, who's sort of from the comedy world. Yeah, um, brilliant. And, uh, yeah, it's an experiment, and it's 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 really fun. Uh, we, we've done all the tasks. Oh, Ryland's in it as well, Ryland Clark-Neal. Right. So it, it's five very disparate people, but they're in our little world, and we're recording it on Sunday, and uh, Greg will deal with them as he always does. So, yeah, I think it's out on New Year's Day. And it'll be, uh, yeah, slightly different, but exactly the same. I mean, the, the the series on Channel 4 at the moment is is brilliant. I I tweeted the hardest that I've laughed this year, in this fiddly year, is Richard Herring feeding watermelon to Daisy Mae Cooper, which, like, it broke me. And we were just chatting before yeah. the show. Presumably you have to road test these tasks. You know, are there sort of poor assistant producers who are force-fed watermelon for, like, days and days until you work out exactly the right task? <laughs> no, we, do, we don't road test anything because... Um, there's no point if having a assistant producer doing it if then Daisy May Cooper's going to come in and do it. Yeah. You can't predict what, they, what mm. they're going to do. So no, we, we really don't. I, I've got an, hopefully an instinct for it now. And yeah. because we've got me and me behind the wheel a bit and Tim Key's involved behind there somewhere. So we've got, I think instead of road testing it, we just make, make it comic-led, really. Yeah. There's com- comedians involved in the production, so we just have to trust their instincts. Like, like the best comedy, I think. You know, mm. you, you don't really road test jokes before they go on stage. you just got to Trust they work. Yeah. So that's that's the system. Final word then on the football. Chesham United and Liverpool, your two teams. When are Chesham back playing again? We're really getting crowds back in. Yeah, well, crowds never really stopped except for this little lockdown. Yeah. Um, yeah, the non-league football, it's, it's thriving. We're getting gates of 500, 600. And then got the FA Trophy next week. The, yeah, the next glamour Western Supermare and Waltham Casuals. Beautiful. So, big games coming. We're seventh in the league. Not Not bad. And Liverpool are weirdly joint top. Yeah, I know with the mighty Spurs. You know. Yeah, I mean my my dad's a Spurs fan. I don't think we can't remember Liverpool and Tottenham being top of the league together. 
No, it's, it's been it's been a Denver. long time. It's, it's mainly been, Tottenham yeah, really not fulfilling yeah, their part of the yeah, bargain that's in that true. one. We've let you down. Uh, Alex, we're out of time. Good to talk to you as always. So where people... Yeah, thanks for having me on. Thanks we, for playing the song. And we, can, we can download it. I'll take it on Spotify and wherever we get our, our music these days or go and buy it. Can we, all those yeah? things. All those things. And there's an album, the Christmas album for all the family that comes out tomorrow on Bandcamp. Yeah. Okay, digital downloads. So make what we're plugging. And Nordorf Robbins, you sent a great charity. And Taskmaster Festive Special, New Year's Day at 9 o'clock. We'll catch up with you soon. Thanks very much. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Thanks, Max. See ya. There you are. And Axe Horn and, uh, yeah, the uh, Horn Section podcasting, a new series. I think anybody who, I don't know if anyone hasn't seen Taskmaster, but I only, I late, mm. sort of about four series in, and then just had the best sort of two months of just continually watching. Yeah, yeah. Such a brilliant idea. It's good. Yeah, it, you know, if, good. if the comedians are good at the task, it's great. And if they're bad, it's great. It just, it always wins. And yeah. Alex and Greg are brilliant together. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. <laughs> Tyson Fury has decided he doesn't want to be the sports personality of the year, and you've been telling us about uh, awards you won you didn't really want to win. Uh, Darren, the bitter Derby fan, says, uh, once as a kid I won a fair play award on a school trip. It, we were ten-pin bowling, and I just kept bowling into the gutter. So it, it could have been ineptitude fair, fair, fair play at ten-pin bowling. Being useless at something doesn't mean it's fair play, but uh, good stuff, Darren. Thank Bill you very says, a wallet with a po- I want a wallet with a post-it signed by Dennis Thatcher from a Conservative Club charity rap where I didn't want to be there in the first place. Got a signed post-it. I remember doing the, um, you must have done the text topic, sports memorabilia that you have that probably isn't worth much. Oh, yeah, and got, someone had I've a, got a whole raft a, of those. A, a till receipt signed by Paul Durkin I thought was quite a good one. I've got nothing. I've just got a till receipt. Have you got loads there already, just oh, in a I've file, Paul? Look at this. Uh, a man, uh, yes, uh, the headlight windscreen wiper off of Laurie McMenemy's Mercedes. <laughs> a spark plug from John Sillett's Ride on Lawnmower. <laughs> Um, Steve Perryman's fillings. Steve Tottenham Perryman. fans. Uh, sounds like wife. A, sounds like a fanzine, it doesn't does. it? Latest edition <laughs> interview with the skipper. A toaster signed by Charlie Nicholas. Roberto Baggio's ponytail and a coffee mug Roberto drank out of from a, an Italian barber's when he went in there. Um, a dead budgie owned by the ex-Scotland keeper Alan Ruff. <laughs> Bloke was working in Alan's. Uh, was it taxidermied or just dead? No, no it was pressed like a flower in a book. <laughs> yeah. Pressed like a flower in a book. Oh, that's a delight. The thermocoupler from Ramon Vega's boiler. <laughs> that was true. Somebody did a bit of uh, plumbing for Ramon. Thought, I'll take that. Might be worth something one day. <laughs> the emerald green toilet seat from Frank Stapleton's bathroom. Right. But then well, that's I asked, quite good, that. Then I asked Frank about that when mm. I did some work with him. And he said, never had an emerald green toilet seat. That's a lie. Oh, so uh, this, How can we trust any of them? Yeah. If we can't trust that one. Graham Roop's blood-soaked cricket glove he used to mop up his broken nose. A cotton bud used by Wayne Rooney. Um, Brooklyn Beckham's cot. Um, what's that? Paul Nick, uh, Paul Dickov's uh, fireplace. Right, they took the whole the thing. They took it out in one. A Veruca sock signed by <laughs> Sheffield Wednesday's David Hurst. <laughs> and uh, Jermaine Pennant's tumble dryer. Surely, like, Paul Hawksby's lists is a great... Yeah. That's a great there two minutes. We've maybe done a great t- two maybe minutes. tuck into those tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, um, the Moose has probably... He's got loads of great memorabilia. Good afternoon, Ian. Good afternoon, boys. You all right? Hello, yeah, mate. not so bad. Not so, you got any... You collect mem- I mean, we know you're big programme collectors. We discovered in lockdown with our, our fine quiz. But what, what about memorabilia? You got any memorabilia, Moose? Um, yeah, I've got some signed shirts. Oh, okay. People. <laughs> nice. There we go. That's a good okay, one. Okay, well, that's thanks, thanks for that. Awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. I, I, also, I, I, also once picked up a, I also once picked up a glove that um, Freddie Pickon had 
Bourne while scoring two goals up at Goodison. Yeah. Uh, did a game Everton against West Ham. Did you keep it? Didn't pick up. Yeah, I've got it somewhere. I'm not sure exactly where oh, it is. And, okay. uh, you know, Freddie Pickyon isn't exactly uh, one of the world's greatest ever strikers. No. So, you well, know. if you get any offers in, we will pass them on. The one glove of yeah, Pickyon. Yeah. yeah. Did he only wear one? Was he like Gene Vincent and Alvin <laughs> Stardust <laughs> and Michael he? Jackson? He just wore <laughs> no, the one glove as an affectation, uh, but with his rings yeah, on I mean, the outside. He, he threw them off as he came off the pitch, and, and no oh, yeah. one had been to pick them up yet. So, oh. uh, but I couldn't see the other one. I could only find oh, one. Well, that's no oh, good. They you, come in pairs, you, don't they? If you do know where it is, please let us know. Yeah. So, <laughs> bring this to you, reunite them. Uh, <laughs> Long lost family. Beginning to Vina McCall and Nicky Gamble yeah. to do it. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. So there we are. That was uh, this afternoon's show. Uh, Max, thank you. Hey, uh, pleasure. Sounds going already. You'll be back on Saturday. <laughs> I am. And he's back tomorrow. And he's back tomorrow. That's right. So uh, thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on Talk Sport. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.